A Passes to India, Chapter 14, Part 1 Most of life is so dull that there is nothing to be said about it. And the books and talk that would describe it as interesting are obliged to exaggerate in the hope of justifying their own existence. Inside its cocoon of work or social obligation, the human spirit slumbers for the most part, registering the distinction between pleasure and pain, but not nearly as alert as we pretend. There are periods in the most thrilling day during which nothing happens, and though we continue to exclaim, I do enjoy myself, or I am horrified, we are insincere. As far as I feel anything, it is enjoyment horror. It's no more than that really, and a perfectly adjusted organism would be silent. It so happened that Mrs. Moore and Miss Quested had felt nothing acutely for a fortnight. Ever since Professor Godbully had sung his queer little song, they had lived more or less inside cocoons, and the difference between them was that the elder lady accepted her own apathy, while the younger resented hers. It was Adela's faith that the whole stream of events is important and interesting, and if she grew bored, she blamed herself severely and compared her lips to utter enthusiasms. This was the only insincerity in a character otherwise insincere, and it was indeed the intellectual protest of her youth. She was particularly vexed now because she was both in India and engaged to be married which double event should have made every instant sublime. India was certainly dim this morning, though seen under the auspices of Indians. Her wish had been granted, but too late. She could not get excited over Aziz and his arrangements. She was not the least unhappy or depressed, and the various odd objects that surrounded her the comic parda carriage, the piles of rugs and bolsters, the rolling melons, the scent of sweet oils, the ladder, the brass-bound box, the sudden interruption of Mahmoud Ali's butler from the lavatory with tea and poached eggs upon a tray. They were all new and amusing and led her to comment appropriately, but they wouldn't bite into her mind. So, she tried to find comfort by reflecting that her main interest would be henceforth be Ronnie. What a nice, cheerful servant. What a relief after Antony. This startled one rather. A strange place to make tea in, said Mrs. Moore, who had hoped for a nap. I want to sack Antony. His behavior on the platform has decided me. Mrs. Moore thought that Antony's better self would come to be in the front at Simla. Miss Quested was to be married at Simla. Some cousins, with the house looking straight on to Tibet, had invited her. Anyhow, we must get a servant. 
and I'll keep Antony with me. I am used to his unappetizing ways. He will see me through the hot weather. I don't believe in the hot weather. People like Major Calendar who always talk about it. It's in the hope of making one feel inexperienced and small, like they're everlasting. I have been 20 years in this country. I believe in the hot weather, but never did I suppose it would bottle me up as it will. For owing to the says leisurelessness of Ronnie and Adela, they could not be married till May. And consequently, Mrs. Moore could not return to England immediately after the wedding, which was what she had hoped to do. By May, a barrier of fire would have fallen across India and the adjoining sea, and she would have to remain perched up in the Himalayas waiting for the world to get cooler. I won't be bottled up, announced the girl. I have no patience with these women here who leave their husbands grilling in the plains. Mrs. McBride hasn't stopped down once since she married. She leaves her quite intelligent husband alone half the year and then surprised she's out of touch with him. She has children, you see. Oh yes, that's true, said Miss Quested, disconcerted. It is the children who are the first consideration until they are grown up and married off. When that happens, one has again the right to live for oneself in the plains or the hills as suits. Oh yes, you are perfectly right. I never thought it out. If one has not become too stupid or old, she handed her empty cup to the servant. My idea now is that my cousins shall find me a servant in Simla, at all events to see me through the wedding, after which Ronnie means to reorganize his stuff entirely. He does it very well for a bachelor. Still, when he is married, no doubt various changes will have to be made. His old servants won't want to take their orders from me, and I don't blame them. Mrs. Moore pushed up the shutters and looked out. She had brought Ronnie and Adela together by their mutual wish, but really she could not advise them further. She felt increasingly that though people are important, the relations between them are not, and that in particular too much fuss has been made over marriage. Centuries of carnal embracement Yet man is no nearer to understanding man. And today she felt this with such force that it seemed itself a relationship, itself a person who was trying to take hold of her hand. Anything to be seen on the hills? Only various shades of the dark. We can't be far from the place where my hyena was. She peered into the timeless twilight. The train crossed Anala. Pomper, pomper, pomper was the sound that the wheels made as they trundled over the bridge, moving very slowly. A hundred yards on came a second Nala, 
then a third suggesting the neighborhood of higher ground perhaps this is mine anyhow the road runs parallel with the railway her accident was a pleasant memory she felt in her cry honest way that it had given her a good shake up and taught her ronnie's true worth then she went back to her plans plans had been a passion with her from girlhood now and then she paid tribute to the present said how friendly and intelligent aziz was ate a guava couldn't eat a fried sweet practiced her urdu on the servant but her thoughts ever veered to the manageable future and to the anglo indian life she had decided to endure and as she appraised it with its adjuncts of tertons and burtons the train accompanied her sentences pomper pomper the train half asleep going nowhere in particular and with no passenger of importance in any of its carriages the branch line train lost on a low embankment between dull fields its message for it had one voided her well equipped mind far away behind her with a shriek that meant business rushed the mail connecting up important towns such as calcutta and lahore where interesting events occur and personalities are developed she understood that unfortunately india has few important towns india is the country fields fields then hills jungle hills and more fields the branch line stops the road is only practicable for cars to a point the bullock carts lumber down the side tracks paths free out into the cultivation and disappear near a splash of red paint how can the mind take hold of such a country generations of invaders have tried but they remain exile in exile the important towns they built are only retreats their corrals the malaise of men who cannot find their way home india knows of their trouble she knows of the whole world's trouble to its uttermost depth she calls come through her hundred mouths through objects ridiculous and august but come to what she has never defined she is not a promise only an appeal i will fetch you from simla when it's cool enough i will unbottle you in fact continued the re- reliable girl we then see some of the mogul stuff how appalling if we let you miss the taz and then i will see you off at bombay your last glimpse of this country really shall be interesting but mrs moore had fallen asleep exhausted by the early start she was in rather low health and ought not to have attempted the expedition but had pulled herself together in case the pleasure of the other should suffer her dreams were of the same texture but there it was her other children who were wanting something stella and ralph and she was explaining to them that she could not be in two families at once 
when she awoke adela had ceased to plan and leaned out of a window saying they are rather wonderful astonishing even from the rise of the civil station here the marabar were gods to whom earth is a ghost kawadol was nearest it shot up in two single slab on whose summit one rock was poised if a mass so great can be called one rock behind it recumbent were the hills that contained the other caves isolated each from his neighbor by broad channels of the plain the assemblies ten in all shifted a little as the train crept past them as if observing its arrival i would not have missed this for anything said the girl exaggerating her enthusiasm look the sun's rising this will be absolutely magnificent come quickly look i wouldn't have missed this for anything we should never have seen it if we would stuck to the turtles and their eternal elephants as she spoke the sky to the left turned angry or orange color throbbed and mounted behind a pattern of trees grew in intensity was yet brighter incredibly brighter strained from without against the globe of the air they awaited the miracle but at this supreme moment when night should have died and day lived nothing occurred it was as if virtue had failed in the celestial fount the hues in the east decayed the hills seemed dimmer though in fact better lit and a profound disappointment entered with the morning bridge why when the chamber was prepared did the bridegroom not enter with triumph trumpets and shams as humanity expects the run rose without splendor he was presently observed trailing yellowish behind the trees or against the insipid sky and touching the bodies already at work in the fields oh that must be the false dawn isn't it caused by dust in the upper layers of the atmosphere that couldn't fall down during the night i think mr magbright said so well i must admit that england has it as regards sunrises do you remember grasmere ah oh, dearest grasmere its little lakes and mountains were beloved by them all romantic yet manageable it sprang from a kindlier planet here an untidy plain stretched to the knees of the marabar good morning good morning put on your topis shouted aziz from farther down the tree put on your topis at once the early sun is highly dangerous for heads i speak as a doctor good morning good morning put on your own not for my thick head he laughed banging it and holding up pats of his hair nice creature he is murmured adela listen mahmud latif says good morning next various pointless jest dr aziz what happened to your hills the train has forgotten to stop perhaps it is circular train and goes back to chandrapur without a break who knows having wandered off into the plain for a mile 
the train slowed up against an elephant. There was a platform too, but it shriveled into insignificance. An elephant waving her painted forehead at the moor. Oh, what a surprise, called the ladies politely. Aziz said nothing, but he nearly burst with pride and relief. The elephant was the one grand feature of the picnic, and God alone knew what he had gone through to obtain her. Semi-official, she was best approached through the Nawab Bahadur, who was best approached through Nureddin, but he never answered letters. But his mother had great influence with him and was a friend of Hamidullah Begum's who had been excessively kind and had promised to call on her provided the broken shutter of the Parda carriage came back soon enough from Calcutta. That an elephant should descend from so long and so slender a string filled Aziz with content and with humorous appreciation of the East, where the friends of friends are a reality where everything gets done something, and sooner or later everyone gets his share of happiness. And Muhammad Lati was likewise content, because two of the guests had missed the train, and consequently he could ride on the Havra instead of following in a cart. And the servants were content, because an elephant increased their self-esteem and they tumbled out the luggage into the dust with shouts and bangs, issuing orders to one another and conversed with goodwill.